back here. Laser all set up, ready to shoot me. It's our new Presbyterian tracking system. All right, well, good morning, everyone. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. As you'll recall, for those of you who were here last week, we started chapter 10, but didn't quite make it all the way through. Um, but that's all right, because the first part of chapter 11 uh, continues the story that we began last week. Um, so uh, we'll move into the first part of chapter 11. And just to remind you where we are in the book of Acts, we're in a, um, a, a phase where new ground is being broken. The whole theme of Acts, as we saw back in chapter 1, verse 8, is how um, God's word would go forth. The Holy Spirit would come, and then uh, the gospel would go forth first to Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after Stephen, uh, one of the seven, uh, appointed to help the apostles, was killed in chapter 7, we saw in chapter 8 how the gospel started with the dispersal of Christians with this increased persecution of the Jews. The, the church was dispersed, and with that dispersal, it broke new ground. It went unexpected places, you can sort of think about has been the theme of the last few chapters. It went to the Samaritans, these people that were close to the Jews, but um, who were seen as half-breeds, as people who had compromised Judaism by mixing it with other religions. We saw it go to unexpected places like to an Ethiopian eunuch, um, who Philip baptized as he was traveling from Jerusalem back to his home. In chapter 9, we saw an unexpected convert uh, when the chief persecutor of the church, Saul, encounters uh, this glorious appearance of Christ on his way to Damascus. Um, and the, the need for God to reveal himself, not just to, to Saul, but also to Ananias, um, so the church would be willing to receive this one who had a reputation of being one who hated and sought to destroy the people who walked in the way, and now he's a follower of that way. And then last week, as we started chapter 10, we see the unexpected um, appearance of the gospel to the Gentiles. And again, just like we saw with 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 the story of Paul and Ananias had to be prepped in order to receive Saul into the church. So with um, the story of chapter 10, we have multiple visions. Um, God appearing in a vision to this um, God-fearing centurion named Cornelius um, in Caesarea. And then meanwhile, God is also appearing to Peter uh, in Joppa, 30 miles away. Um, and he has to appear to Peter three times, um, we saw, with the, so that Peter would um, get this message. And even then, Peter was, as we saw um, uh, Luke say, was inwardly perplexed <laughs> as to what the vision he had just seen uh, meant, because it was this vision of uh, the sheep being let down and all these unclean animals and foods before him, and he's commanded to, to kill and eat and He's like, no, Lord, I've, I've never um, touched or, or consumed things that are unclean or common. 
Um, and the theme we saw is God's response. Um, God says, what God has made clean, do not call common. And that becomes um, the entry point for Peter to uh, encounter these messengers that Cornelius had sent, these Gentile men, to host these Gentiles in his house, and then to travel the next day and be hosted in the house of Cornelius. Um, and so we, uh, we basically made it through Cornelius and Peter's encounter. And so we'll pick up um, our reading today in verse 34. So this is now we've kind of moved from um, Peter talking with Cornelius uh, and now Peter talking to the crowd assembled in Cornelius' home. Um, so here now the word of God from Acts chapter 10 beginning in verse 34 and we'll read through chapter 11 verse 18. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling them, extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men, and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. 
And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them, as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Thus far, our reading of God's holy word. Let's ask him to enlarge it in our hearts and minds as we talk about it this morning. Let's pray. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do give you praise for your great work among the nations. How in the fullness of time you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, born of a woman, to live a life of perfect righteousness, to live a life of perfect holiness so that he would be the perfect sacrifice for us, that he would make atonement for our sins, for the sins of those who even cried out, crucify him. Lord God, we thank you for your great work in raising him from the dead on that third day and giving him life so that we might have life through him. And we thank you for the gift of your spirit that brings life, that takes people who are uh, spiritually dead, people whose hearts are dead to the things of God, and by your spirit you give life and give it eternally by connecting us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That through the spirit's work we're united to Christ, and united to his saving work, that through repentance and the gift of faith, we too can have life through our great King, Jesus Christ. Lord, as we see the gospel break forth to a new people um, in this chapter, help us be mindful of the work you're doing in our world, that you continue to take the gospel to unexpected places and that you continue to work beyond the imaginings and the limitations of our own um, petty assumptions, that you are doing a great thing as you take the gospel and a continuation of what we see in Acts truly to the ends of the earth. Help us be part 
of that mission. Help us be witnesses to our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. All right. So um, our section that we're looking at this morning starts with Peter's speech that he's giving into the, in the house of Cornelius. And the, this crowd, his whole household is there. Um, it, it tells us that he has gathered um, people uh, with him. Um, and so uh, this crowd of Gentiles. And, and Peter, uh, I love, Peter opened his mouth. <laughs> so here is Peter is by, again, all this, you know, with a um, heavy hand, God has brought Peter from Joppa to Caesarea for this moment to, to speak to these people. So what would you say is the, the main point of Peter's speech that he gives here in Acts 10? And you can also think, um, you know, we've seen multiple speeches at this point, multiple speeches by Peter. Uh, we saw Stephen's speech that he gave um, right before he was killed. Um, so is Peter saying anything different to these Gentiles? Um, yeah, so what, what would you say strikes you about what Peter is, is saying to this assembled crowd at Cornelius' house. Yeah, and we saw that in his conversation with Cornelius last week. Um, you know, when, when Peter says, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And then he opens like his preamble to speaking to them is truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, um, that this message is for these people who just a couple of days before he would have considered unclean and would have been hesitant to have this degree of intercourse with them. But you know, through this work of God and Peter, now the gospel can be presented to the household of Cornelius that truly understand that God shows no partiality. Yeah, right. Yeah, the distinction now going forward is between believers and unbelievers. Um, and as we'll get into when we get to chapter 11, like that's the point of this discussion that takes place in Jerusalem is that these people believe and receive the exact same gift of the Holy Spirit as we did. So the distinction now is between those who believe and trust in the name of Jesus Christ and those who don't. Um, yeah, absolutely. So these, these other categories of people are disappearing. 
Um, and the category that matters is do you trust in Jesus Christ and his work for you um, hanging on a tree and then being risen to new life or not? Do you believe or do you not believe? Yes, good. What else strikes you about this sermon? Yeah, Bill. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's not, the distinction's not between the circumcised and the uncircumcised, the people who eat uh, clean food versus those people who eat unclean food. The distinction now is between uh, those who believe and those who don't. Because even, you know, those circumcised um, still need to believe. Um, they still need to uh, repent. They still need to receive forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And it's the same mechanism for Gentiles as well. The same steps are to be followed. They believe. They receive the Spirit. They're baptized. Just as the, the apostles experienced on that day of Pentecost. Um, or as Peter refers to it when he speaks in Jerusalem to the other apostles. Just like us at the beginning. You know, for him, the beginning isn't when Christ appeared. The beginning is when the Holy Spirit came. You know, that is the beginning of the church. Uh, and so this is the beginning um, of, you know, some people call this moment the Pentecost of the Gentiles because that's how Peter's setting it up to show that God isn't a distinguisher of persons. Um, what God distinguishes is faith and lack of faith. Other theme from a sermon? Yeah, Rob. <laughs> this must be a really good sermon. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't even get to the point uh, of where, like, again, if you look at some of the prior sermons, like, you know, it builds to this kind of point where, you know, where there's a call to repent, a call to be baptized. He doesn't get there. Um, to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, and they believe. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, comes upon them. And again, um, you know, it's, uh, it's putting this stamp of divine authorization on the events that have been taking place in chapter 10 and chapter 11. And that's what, you know, again, when Peter stands up before the apostles and is talking to them, you know, he's making it clear, this wasn't the result of my initiative. This wasn't a, you know, rash idea that came into my head. Hey, let's launch a mission to the Gentiles. And, and he goes, like, I love that phrase. Uh, let me explain it to you in order. <laughs> I was in Joppa, <laughs> minding my own business, <laughs> he, he was hungry, <laughs> like as we saw earlier in chapter 10. Like Paul, I mean, Peter's sitting there waiting for lunch <laughs> and he's hungry. And God, you know, sends this vision to him. Um, and through God, again, with a very active, independent acting, God is at work here. Um, he's moving Peter, he's moving Cornelius to send for Peter. And then as Peter talks, it's not 
uh, Peter doesn't get to the end of his as the end of his sermon. Like God acts in the midst of it. Like again, um, emphasizing that it's not even um, solely dependent on you know Peter being a convincing, persuasive preacher. Um, it's God at work in this moment, authorizing again what, as Ronnie said, you know, if, if not the climax. The, the turning, the major turning point of the book, because as Acts moves forward, it's all about how the gospel goes forth to all these different Gentile nations around the Mediterranean, Mediterranean world. I mean, Jews are still being ministered to, we'll see, but it's, it's you know, as it starts shifting to Paul's uh, missionary activities, it's his activities among the Gentile nations. So what the second half of the book is going to be very different than these first ten chapters. Maybe, but he likes to use memes. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's the the struggle is going to be on the part of Jewish believers. You know, they're the ones who are going to struggle with this change more. And, yeah, <laughs> and then uses him as the spokesperson to, to, yeah, to go back to the other Jewish believers in Jerusalem and say, look, this is why I did it. It's, it, it's God. You know, God has authorized this moment. And if God has given the same gift to them that he gave to us, who are we to stand in the way of God? Um, again, like, you know, this, this refrain, God isn't a makes no distinction between people. It's God's power that makes a person clean or unclean. Not the, you know, again, not the things that, that, these external things, but it's God at work in the person's heart that makes the person clean or unclean. Yeah, I mean, to think what the major word so far in the book for what the apostles do, and this, the word, notice it shows up multiple times in Peter's sermon, is witness. You know, that we are witnesses to all that Jesus did and said. We were witnesses to his resurrection and life. And he's sending us to bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So, you know, and in this case, Peter, like, you know, these events are as much for Peter and the church as it is for Cornelius, so that they are witnesses of the mighty acts that God is doing, even among the Gentiles. And I, I love that reaction um, to these, um, as chapter 11 will tell us, six 
um, people are with Peter. Um, but here it just has an unspecified number. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Like, again, like emphasizing that, wait, <laughs> even they are, are recipients of this gift of God. And it, they're astounded by that. Um, uh, they're, yeah, they're astounded by this mighty work of God in their midst. Yeah, Ron. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, God, uh, you know, uh, it's our sinful, limited self. And God is at work in ways bigger than we expect. Um, anyway, again, and this has been the, the kind of theme, like, hmm, even God, the Samaritans are believing, and an Ethiopian eunuch, Saul, <laughs> like, you know, um, you know, Saul appears to Ananias, and Ananias is like, uh, or, or God appears to Ananias to send him to Saul, and he's like, um, don't you know who this guy is? Like, he's the, you know, leading destroyer of the church, and he's like, no, he's mine now. Like, <laughs> um, you know, and now with Gentiles, like, God is at work in ways that um, they hadn't yet expected. Um, hey, yes, Rob. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we talked about this some last week with the vision that Peter gets three times. And I think it was Jay that pointed out, like, remember, this is the, the Peter who denied Christ three times. And then, you know, God makes him uh, affirm that, you know, Peter, do you love me three times? Um, there's something with the number three and, and getting a message into Peter's head, which I find very... <laughs> Very uh, <laughs> encouraging, yes. Uh, I see myself there. Like, wait, tell me that again? <laughs> wait, one more time. I don't understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, again, I don't want to get too much into, like, the, the numerology of it. But, um, you know, when, when things happen three times, it's definitely for emphasis. I mean, three, I mean, um, three is the number of, uh, of an emphatic number. So like when Isaiah says, uh, or, or the angels say to Isaiah, holy, 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 like, you know, that is an emphatic, they're saying it's, there's an emphatic presence of God's holiness. And, then, and three times here, like, it's putting emphasis on this message. Like, it's, you know, an exclamation point. Like, again, like, you tell somebody three times. Um, Stephen can attest to me driving him nuts sometimes when I say to him, like, yes, you told me twice already. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure you understand. <laughs> um, you know, like, it's putting a, a point, uh, it's put, a way of putting an exclamation point on it. Um, it's a way of putting a spotlight on it. Um, now, I would say, like, uh, with seven, like that, the fact that there are seven witnesses to this event, Peter and these six other guys, 
I would say that is, again, that kind of biblical number of seven, like, um, and, and it's beyond the required number of witnesses. The required number of witnesses would be three, um, Peter and two others. Um, it's beyond that. It's the, this kind of number of perfection of seven witnesses um, to these events. So there, there's no question that what has befallen these Gentiles in the house of Cornelius is the work of God because, um, because of the witnesses that God has put in place there. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, yeah, the angel is pretty nonspecific in, in what he expects. Um, you know, as we saw in the beginning part of chapter 10, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial for God. Now send to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is uh, lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Like at that point, he doesn't even tell him what he's sending him for. When Peter reports the speech, um, Later in, in chapter 11, you know, he says, um, uh, you know, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who's called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And Cornelius has taken that angel, you know, declaration to him seriously. Like, and as you say, it's not just, you know, he's not just responding but it's his whole household. And I love how, like last week, we, we talked all of this about you know, the importance of Cornelius. And it's true, you know, as a centurion of this particular cohort stationed in Caesarea, he is a man of position and authority. In Acts chapter 11, when Peter's giving his report to the gathered church in Jerusalem, doesn't even mention his name. Um, you know, that what's important isn't that Cornelius, as a person, has been uh, received the Holy Spirit and been baptized, but what Cornelius represents and, and all the people Cornelius brought into his household with him, that the gospel has come to Gentiles. Um, and, yeah, the way Cornelius creates the crowd um, that, ha that receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, he is... You know, he's been in, act, in action, Peter's been in action, and they're both in action because God is moving them. Again, it's like, um, God uses means, um, and in this case, he's, he's pretty heavy-handed in how he's using means. Sometimes God uses subtle means, um, ordinary means, we like to say, um, in, in good Presbyterian parlance. This is a case where God is using extraordinary means um, because this is an extraordinary moment. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, let's deal with, um, so, uh, so they hear the sermon, and as uh, Rob pointed out, that you know, they responded before Peter's even finished speaking. Um, they baptized them, um, and then Peter remains with them for some days. Um, and then he comes to Jerusalem, um, and the news 
um, you know, the news circulates. Now the apostles and brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, um, so the news has gone in advance of, of Peter. Um, and he gets there, and he's, he's met with this, um, uh, it's not a question, but a, a criticism. Um, the circum cir circumcision party criticized him. Um, so what is it about what has happened in Caesarea that so bugs the, you know, what, the translation's not great here, um, circumcision party, I mean, that's a little, they're being a little heavy with their interpretive stance here. It's literally just um, the circumcised. Um, and every Jewish Christian is circumcised. Um, so, you know, our editors of the, or translators here are trying to make, make it clear, all right, yeah, every, everybody at this point, uh, every Jewish believer is circumcised, but there is a group of those circumcised who are emphasizing circumcision. Um, so what's, what is, what's open Peter to their criticism? <laughs> and the, the and the implied answer like uh, is no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Well. Yeah. Maybe not the rest of the session, but other people in in this Christian of. of of the Christian community in Judea, like again, we're, we're beyond the bounds of a single local church. Like you know, we're moving to more presbytery level. So other people in 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 this you know geography that the gospel has reached so far, you know, pretty much centered on you know here he's focused on Judea and Jerusalem, um, and that there's a group that has come and. You know, again, the, that, that are criticizing Peter for what's taken place in Caesarea. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so, so why? Uh, what's led these people to be skeptical? <laughs> yeah, they're Jews. Yeah, Mike. Side, 
Yeah, and their objection isn't that he preached to the Gentiles or that they responded, because like everybody heard the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Great. <laughs> it's like they're open to that part. Notice what bugs them. You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Again, it's the fellowshipping and eating with. If God wants to work in the Gentiles, it's like, Okay, God, like they're acknowledging that God can do a work in the Gentiles. But like, it's as you say, like, it's these other things. Like, well, you don't eat with Gentiles because you don't know where that food came from. And they're unclean. And, you know, you don't enter a Gentile household. Um, it's these other kinds of traditions that have been built up to separate them from the people of other nations. Um, they still want it to be a, a, a Jewish faith, uh, an exclusively Jewish faith. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and this goes back to, you know, the, you know we talked about this some um, last week with this vision of, you know, telling Peter to, to, to kill and eat, rise, kill and eat. Um, and the close association of food and Gentiles. And here we see it in their criticism of, of him. And, and you know, we, we talked about this last week. How can it be one church? You know, how can it be one common community if there are still these barriers that prevent these Christians from eating with these Christians or these Christians from entering the household of these Christians? Like, yes, the vision is primarily to to say that Gentiles need the gospel too and, and God can, can have the cleansing power to work in them. But these human um, barriers have to be removed as well. Yeah, Matthew.
Yeah, and, and remember back when, you know, to, to um, further that point, like what characterized the church after that first Pentecost back in chapter 2? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So again, that they, they're, they're, they are part of one community by sharing meals together in that intimate fashion. They're one family. And that what, that's what characterized the church at the beginning. And now you're at, like, is that going to characterize the church now? Like, and we, we mentioned this last week. This is the point of where there's real divide between the Christian church and Judaism. Um, we saw Judaism kind of pushing Christians out earlier, but here's the, you know, here's the Rubicon that, that Jews can't cross um, unless God does a work in their heart to believe them and to bring them into faith in Jesus Christ. Like, you know, now the church is going beyond what um, would be tolerated, allowed under Judaism. This is one of the distinguishing marks of the church. It's still you know, the same mark that was there at the fellowship, but now who's included in that tent um, has broadened. You know, who you can be intimate with? Um, who can share this table? Um, and, and as we said last week, this is going to be a huge point of tension, um, as, as you noted with between Paul and Peter in Galatians. Um, we see it uh, coming up multiple times with this circumcision party, trying to make people be Jews first and Gentiles. It's going to come up again in Acts in chapter 15, where we have another you know, church council gathered to decide this question of, all right, yes, Gentiles can be saved, but do they have to become Jews in order to become Christians? Um, you know, they're going to wrestle with that question. Um, and they set some parameters, um, again, not to, to give too much of the story we'll talk about in uh, a month or so. Um, you know, they'll give some parameters in Acts 15, like um, uh, only that you abstain from what has been sacrificed from, to idols and from blood and what, from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. You know, but it's not circumcision. Um, it's not um, these other traditions of men. It's, it's more these issues, moral issues that are going to create separation. Yeah, we're looking at baptism of the Holy Spirit um, being, you know, being the key. Like that baptism is the new distinguishing mark of the church. And it's not just baptism with water, but baptism with water and the Holy Spirit. Um, that, you know, that is the identifier. And as Peter says, like, you know, can we withhold baptism from them? And the implied answer of that question is no. <laughs> and then, you know, in his speech to them, um, you know, I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And that's what, you know, that's what silences them. And I love, when they heard these things, they fell silent. 
Because after Peter gives this accounting, it's very clear that this is an action of God. This is God's work um, going on in Caesarea. And it's not about circumcision or uncircumcision. It's about God cleansing people through the finished work of Jesus Christ that, that God can grant repentance that leads to life. As Mike says, not through works, but through the grace of God. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good uh yeah, that's a good verse to connect. Yeah, God is bursting the old wives skin. Um and it's um and and sometimes we you know, again, uh you'll hear these stories about how it's Paul that changes the the Christianity of Christ to something else. And I love how, as you said earlier, it's Peter that is at the forefront, the witness of this breakthrough. Um, when we encounter Paul, um, uh, you know, later on, when he comes back into the story, um, it's it's almost incident, um, well, not incidental. It's not him coming forward. It's like they send for him. Like he's been um, in Tarsus, kind of hanging out, um, you know, um, devoting himself to study of God's word, to understanding Christ. Who knows? Um, but they go get him, and then he becomes the missionary. It's it's not it's not by Paul's activity that the church has changed, that the umbrella has has broadened. It's God's work through Peter uh, and these other men as witnesses to what God is doing, and then it has to be um, affirmed by the church. And notice how they do you know the 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 end result of Peter's speech is they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles, also, God has rep granted repentance that leads to life. Like, you know, the result of this, even though it's not going to put an end to all the tensions and problems that, that are going to be created by now having Jews and Gentiles part of one Christian community. Um, you know, uh, I think it was Mike earlier, he said, oil and water. <laughs> Like, these, these, these things aren't going to mix easily, and it's going to create tensions that we'll see throughout the book of Acts. It's going to create tensions that we'll see in the epistles of the New Testament. Um, but it is God's design for the church that we be um, a, one body that doesn't make distinctions between persons. Um, you know, uh, as, as God or as Paul says, like, to God there is no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. There's those who believe and are part of one common community of faith. Yep. Yeah, they're affirming that this is an act of God and that this, this is what's going to take place. And again, it's the same thing in chapter 15. What, what does God want us to do? And God doesn't want us to be a distinguisher of persons. God doesn't want us to have these barriers that separate some believers from other believers. Um, God wants us to be part of one community of faith. Um, one table fellowship, as Matthew emphasized. Like, 
one intimate body. And how, again, how could it be an intimate body if things like food are going to separate them? Like you can't eat with people or you can't fellowship with people. Then it's not one body. Um, it's not one united body of Christ. Um, and it, it's having to undo not just um, you know these prejudices, but to, to change culture, to, to get to change a cultural mindset where your whole life you've been conditioned not to eat with Gentiles and now to be able to have intimate fellowship with them. That's a big cultural shift that they're going to struggle with to overcome. Um, and you know, we, we have to overcome those same cultural assumptions and barriers too that keep us oftentimes from fellowshipping with believers who are very culturally different from us. Yeah, Jake, you have to... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to go back to Peter's, you know, sermon, like, you know, it's it has some different emphases than we've seen in, in in previous sermons. Like, you know, as Mike pointed out, what the big difference is, you know, this opening declaration, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But after that, you yourselves know the story of all that's taken place in Galilee. That Jesus, when he was baptized with John, received power in the Holy Spirit. And how he went around doing good, um, freeing people from the oppression of the devil, who was killed by being hung on a tree, this cursed death, but who God raised again from the dead um, and has made us witnesses to bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. I mean, that's, that's the gospel. <laughs> like he's not crafting it, um, you know, adapting it. Oh, I've got to preach to a Gentile audience rather than a Jewish audience. Not really. <laughs> then maybe we can say he doesn't hammer the Old Testament as much as he's done in prior sermons. Um, he doesn't emphasize this. You know, you know. Previously, the emphasis has been uh, on Christ being the fulfillment of everything the prophet says. Um, but he says that here too. Um, you know, to him all the prophets bear witness. So he doesn't go into a detailed explanation of what that means, but that's the same thing he said in two prior sermons. Um, so the message to the Gentiles is the same message that's been given to the Jews, that to believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, through him you receive forgiveness of sins. It's through his name that you can be saved. It's through belief in him that you re receive this gift of the Holy Spirit um, and can be part of one church. Not two churches, Jew and Gentile, but one body of believers um, in, in which God doesn't make distinctions. Yeah, Christian.
so yeah, so we have, you know, the split of of Jewish believing Christians from non-believing, non-Christ believing Jews. So, you know, now the Christian community is, you know, you you know, so starting off, it's a um, a division between believing and unbelieving among Jews, and now the believing has expanded beyond the Jews, now including Samaritans and an Ethiopian eunuch, and now, you know, Romans. Um, you know, Cornelius is a Roman soldier um, from Italy who who is here in in um, on the shores of Judea. Um, and that, so if there was already tension and, and division of Pharisees toward Jewish Christians, how much more now that the Christians have broadened their window to include Gentiles as well? Um, and indeed, we'll see that, the kind of ramifications of that in um, the, when we get to chapter 12, when James is killed, um, you know, through the instigation of, of Herod. It will, will bring about the, the death of, of an apostle um, because now this church is not just Jews. Like the problem has from the from the Jewish Pharisaical or council perspective, the problem has gotten worse because now it's not just um, belief in Jesus isn't just infecting Jewish um, um, people but now it's gone out to Gentiles too and making them into one common body. Um, so they're going to be, so the, from a pharisaical perspective, Christians are going to be viewed as even more polluted now because of their close association with Gentiles. Yes, and which, I mean, again, you can has been the plan all along. You know, God chose Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Like, so he chose a particular nation in order to bring um, the gospel to all nations. So, you know, um, they've been the chosen nation, but it's never been exclusively about them as the chosen nation. The point from the beginning has always been that through them, they would be witnesses of the one true God to all the peoples of the earth. All right, well, we're at time, so let me uh, close this in prayer. So just a reminder, next week with being Easter, no Sunday school, so um, we'll gather for worship. Um, so we'll be back in two weeks, and we'll look at the second half of chapter 11, um, and then look at, at chapter 12, um, where we see uh, you know, an intensification of persecution of the church again with the death of James and um, Peter's arrest. So let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your work. That truly as we study this book of Acts, it's not so much the Acts of the Apostles, but it's your Acts, your glorious work that the Apostles bear witness to. Um, that they testify to what you've done through your Son, Jesus Christ, and through um, the Holy Spirit, your powerful presence among your people. And we praise you for how you continue to work um, and spread your gospel 
um, even as we think this day about how your gospel in so many parts of the world suffer um, with two bombings this morning in Egypt of Christian believers who gathered together to worship you and to celebrate um, the beginning of um, this, uh, this week where we focus on your death and resurrection, your triumphal entry into Jerusalem, that your enemies use it as uh, an opportunity to kill believers. And we pray that you would take their evil actions and use them for good. That you would, um, just as we saw with the death of Stephen, that you would use that, um, you know, the faithful witness, um, the faithful martyrdom of Christian believers to spread your message that people can see the truth lived out in the lives of believers um, as they spread your message of peace and reconciliation to God and reconciliation to one another through our common belief in our one Savior, Jesus Christ, that you knit all the peoples of the earth into one body of believers. And we pray that you would continue to bring forth that kingdom and establish it uh, now and forevermore. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, we pray. Amen.